So um, we're just going to look at, um, we'll just do 15 minutes on the introduction to First Peter, and um, just the first couple of verses. So um, I think I'll spend quite a bit of time, uh, there's lots in these verses, I mean there's lots in, in every verse of the Word of God, but uh, when you start looking at these verses you kind of wonder, okay, well what else am I going to say? But I think um, it's really important to establish like the history around this book. Um, they're, they're definitely living in a period of time where it's not like today, as, as we live in this land anyways, that we know of in Ottawa, let's say. Uh, Christians at this time were under severe, severe persecution on every level. And um, it, it often meant, uh, you know, a social disruption. It often meant uh, their jobs. It often meant death as well. So um, I think as we go through the book, uh, it's very important to understand that. Uh, because, you know, the verses that are shared later in, in, the, in, the, in the book are, uh, are you can understand them in that, in that sense under severe persecution. I think they mean a lot more maybe. So this is, my background tonight is, is to kind of, uh, maybe you know this already, but I'm just going to go through uh, some of the, the events that happened around, surrounding this book. Um, and um, oftentimes it's mentioned as the Job of the New Testament. So, Basically, uh, Job was one who um, lived rightly for God, but yet he went under severe persecution uh, for his, his righteous life. And, um, you know, he, his relationship deepened and developed with the, the, with the Lord during this time. And that is what First Peter is hoping for uh, with the Christians going under severe persecution, just like Job did, that their life would be enriched by this uh, experience, these experiences they were going through. And I have not lived in this uh, type of atmosphere. I don't know, maybe you have, but under the threat of death and, and many other things that would come in to disrupt your life. But yet the, the, the admonition, the encouragement is to basically sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, you know, set him apart, make him something that you really value in your life no matter the, the challenges around us. And that's ultimately what God wants to do. It's the genuineness of our faith that is really of utmost importance to him. Gold is a, is a hot commodity still even today, but he says that your faith is much more precious than gold. So we'll just work through these here. We'll just read the, we might as well read the first two verses here. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So First Peter 1, to the pilgrims, of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. So when was this written? It was a time when Nero was in charge, the Emperor Nero, and um, between AD 54 and 68. Uh, about 16 years old, this fellow, uh, young man at that time, began to reign, and apparently he died of suicide um, at 30 years old. And um, I'm just going by history and what they say, but uh, definitely uh, people were put in charge at a very young age, but this is Nero, and some of his characteristics were, were that he um, basically started to rebuild Rome and this is the, the great fire of Rome in AD 64. And uh, 
the historians of this period of time say that the, the intense persecution of the Christians started at this time with Nero basically blaming the fire on the Christians. And this was uh, in support of him reestablishing, like building more buildings and, and kind of raising the ones that were there and putting up other ones that would just kind of be to his glory and to his fame. And he, he had quite a sort of a, a building process here, but, but the fire was blamed on the Christians. And, um, and so this is what they say started off sort of a, the mark in history when the, the uh, persecutions ramped up severely uh, to the end, the end of Nero's uh, reign. And so what this, this meant is, is that there was indiscriminate crucifixion as well. If you want to stand up for Christ, then I suggest that you um, die like him. So they were taken and indiscriminately just uh, crucified and uh, horrible, horrible things. Feeding Christians to the lions, um, you know, uh, you hear of one, one fellow in Daniel that I was recently reading with Daniel uh, being fed to the lions and he was spared of that, delivered of that, while the Christians here were not. And sometimes that's the case is that these Christians were, were, uh, were, were given to the lions and they weren't spared. A Christian human torches lit up as garden, as his garden, as he had garden parties rather, sorry. Uh, Christian corpses were lit on fire to light the, the way to the garden parties. And um, they thought nothing of it, nor did the people there at that time. If you identified yourself as a Christian, uh, you often put to death for this. So um, severe, severe persecution um, for stating that you were a Christian. Oops, go forward here. Another fellow that came along to add to this uh, decades later, uh, we read of those Roman, Roman provinces where the gospel and the Christians spread into as someone who was casting seed, the diaspora, the dispersion, casting seed as these Christians went out to the Roman provinces in northern Turkey. Um, there was another fellow that came along a little later this time, decades after Nero, and his name was Pliny. Uh, the younger governor of Bithynian Pontus, and you see this in a map shortly to where these places are. Just turn in the back of your Bible and you'll see this. But he was a guy that came in after First Peter was written. And so, as you imagine, this letter was circulated and often referred to later as the persecution still ramped up. And um, I forgot the letter to read to you um, that, he, that he gave Emperor Trajan, but... Um, Basically, it was a procedure for dealing with Christians. One by one, they would come forward and you'd have to recant the name of Christ. And if you didn't, well, then uh, you would be basically executed right out there on the spot. And so the, the persecution continued after Nero into the later times here in these provinces by this fellow here. Um, the Christian people. So they were persecuted uh, publicly in the arenas, but like I mentioned, privately as slaves and in their homes. Um, and three, one to two would just uh, bear mention of that. That's why they have, you know, uh, sort of, he, he deals with wives and, and husbands in the homes and stuff like that. Um, there was a lot of, if you can just think about these different topics as you go through first, Peter, just, just recognize them in light of severe, severe persecution. Um, so in, in different ways, publicly, privately, in their homes, 
pressure from neighbors and society to return to their pre-Christian lives. So that's sort of the enticement to go back to where it was before. So this pressure on them came, the persecution came in that form as well. Um, the Gentile converts became religious misfits in their own cultures. So you imagine a lot of these people that Peter's writing to were Gentiles and um, even within their own culture that they definitely loved some aspects of, well, they became Christians, but now they're considered misfits and they had to kind of abandon the celebration of their own culture. Attending work or attending weddings often include sacrificing to idols or worshiping the emperor. So it wasn't without its connection to always some religious obeisance of some way. So, uh, you know, just, just going to work every day, um, attending celebrations of weddings, you had to kind of then stop and, and give obeisance to the emperor, you know, claim him as God and, and recant your faith. Maybe and just, this is just a disruptions on many levels that these Christians had to deal with at this time. And the social pressure was very intense. So, as I mentioned, suffering included both physical and uh, physical abuse, rather, and, and death. Um, so here's the related geography that's mentioned in uh, the dispersion, the pilgrims, the strangers uh, were dispersed, or uh, the word is also diaspora, which means uh, basically a spreading of the seed. They went into these areas here. Um, if you look at 513, I think it is the area I have. Um, Basically, it looked like it was, it was written from Rome. Uh, she who is in Babylon, elect together with you. Babylon was a code word for Rome at the time, the Roman Empire. Um, it reminded them of what Babylon did way back when Babylon came in and ousted uh, the Jews from where they lived. Um, this code word Babylon was used among Christians to typify Rome. And in that circle there, was where all these places existed there. Now, the, some people feel that the list of the, the, the Roman provinces that were used here were used as a pathway through which, by which the, the carrier of the, of the letter would, would, wouldn't follow. I don't know if that's true or not, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, you can see how they might kind of do a circle right from here, come down and come up again. Um, into northern Turkey. This is where the letter was distributed to, and there's no other letter in the New Testament uh, distributed, um, directed to be distributed as much as First Peter. I kind of like that, though, where, where God has his people, um, he will also give a word of encouragement, a word of exhortation, a word of stability to what they saw around them. Around them, there was instability. But um, this is where it is, the related geography of this letter. Peter the writer, um, in 512, it mentions a fellow by the name of Sylvanus, and um, he was a faithful brother, and it maybe was him that penned the words down as Peter spoke to them, and spoke of them, and um, so this, Sylvanus could be someone here that was used uh, to, to help write the letter. So in Peter, in the beginning verse here, we have Peter introducing himself as Peter. He's using the Greek word Peter. This means a lot to those who were scattered abroad and receiving this letter and reading the word Peter. It would, it would mean that, okay, he, he is representing himself in the Greek form, not the Aramaic Cephas, and then not his family name, Simon, Barjona, or Simeon. He comes across as Peter. This is what the Lord called me. Um, he is that rock that the, the, the church will be built on. 
uh, possibly reminding them of, of that incident in Peter's life where the Lord had spoken to him and changed his name. Uh, universal appeal to a large audience, uh, this kind of the, the use of his name, uh, not just to Jewish Christians. So the Jew or the Gentiles would be spoken to here as Peter just came in and represented himself as Peter. He also said that he was apostle of Jesus Christ that brought authority. The, the, the people would understand that apostle brought great authority to the word that they were bringing. Um, remember, the requirements of an apostle had to be three of them, uh, three requirements of an apostle. Um, they had to be an eyewitness of the Lord Jesus and his resurrection. They had to spend time with him as well. And I just can't remember the third one right off the bat. But um, this brought great authority to, with Peter as he, as he introduced himself as the apostle of Jesus Christ. And they would understood that they would understand that the apostles were, were laying the foundations of the church. So it would bring a tremendous comfort to know that, that it was an apostle that was writing to them. So the pilgrims of the dispersion, verse one, it says uh, that the pilgrims were a temporary resident who does not belong to the area. These were the strangers. They were away from home, but going home rather than just strangers in a strange land. And I like that thought there too, that they were away from home. Their home was not their home, but they were going to home on the way. So um, this kind of speaks to, to me too, that these Christians could not hold a tight grip on the things of life. They had to kind of maybe a half grip almost because things were taken away very quickly from them. Dispersion refers to being scattered from this verb here, as I mentioned, to sow as seed. So the Lord was definitely uh, using these people. He had a purpose for these people uh, to spread the word out under these intense times. Not easy to go through, but these Christians are what they are, where they are, and when they are. The what, the where, and the when of their circumstances guided by his hand ultimately, and they were to, to drive themselves to him to seek purpose, to seek uh, uh, care and love from the Lord Jesus, that, 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 that the Lord Jesus went through his sufferings, and they were to go through this, and they were purposed to do that. Now, this next verse here, elected the what, that's a big topic, but I really appreciated what Peter Curd to say about this, is that the elect refers to the pilgrims here, and that they were... They were elected as Christians to be pilgrims, strangers scattered abroad, and that's what the election refers to. It doesn't refer to salvation in this sense, and I reference Peter Kerr here for that work. They were elected to be these types of people in this land at this time. The dispersion and the scattering forth was according to the foreknowledge of God. The Lord knew that we all have to endure. He permitted it and chose them for this particular task. Our election in Christ to fill a task for him called to a specific testimony. And as we are, we know that the sanctification of the spirit happens right in verse two. We're set apart. We set apart the Lord as God in our hearts when we go through intense persecution. That's the purpose. And then to cause a greater obedience for us as well um, with the help of the blood of Christ, um, cleansing us from all sin, going back to him and in greater obedience, I'm sure the obedience was challenged during these hard, persecuted times. But, but Peter is reminding them that um, the Lord is going to help them and uh, bring them back to his blood time and time again to fulfill their obedience. And then he says grace, which is the Gentile form of greeting. And he says peace, which is the Jewish form of greeting. He combines these in 
thinking about both the Jew and Gentile at this time. And it's multiplied. I want it to become more and more and more in your life. And that's all we have for the first two verses of 1 Peter. Thanks.